Economics in the Spirit present... How to be a success. Ordinary men living extraordinary lives. The podcast that explores the messy nuts and bolts behind people's success. Now here's your host, S.B. Cole, author of The Good Man, exploring economics and the spirit. Um, so my baby brother was 38 years old and he was a very strong, very fit. So he would be at the gym every day. He was a boxing promoter and coach. He was he had turned his life around from his younger days, very, very highly respected within the community. Um, in June of that same year, he had done something revolutionary. He um, he put on an event at Alexandra Palace, which is a huge um, venue in North London. Ali yeah, Ali Pali, there you go. My brother used to go to a lot of these elite boxing where he would easily be the only black man in the room, you know, where 500 pounds a ticket was standard. And one of the things that used to bug him was like, these street kids who I know boxing can change their lives, they would never be able to get into this room. So how do I get the room to them? And he came up with this idea to have a, um, an annual legacy boxing gala where it would bring, where the elite would literally pay for the younger, um, the ones who wouldn't be able to come. So the tickets were like £250 a ticket. And then for every ticket, a young person would be sponsored. It was just phenomenal. And he did that in June 2018. And then um, November, it was probably about November the 7th, maybe November the 6th, he was complaining of a pain in in his, in, I think it was the right side of his his head and down to his shoulders to the point where he literally had to go to the hospital now to to get him to go any kind of doctors was just ridiculous um so the fact that he wanted to go to the hospital we knew that it was serious by the end of that night it was a tuesday he was put into an induced coma um the wednesday um we were told that they're gonna slowly take him out of the coma to see how he's doing <clears throat> because he was not responding to the medication but they said that once they took him out of the coma then you know they walked us through the next four or five days and they actually said to us that he should be out of the hospital by the Monday on the Thursday they told us that they found meningitis and that he had one of the most serious forms of meningitis called pneumococcal meningitis and they mm -hmm. said that they're giving him 48 hours to live and then he passed on the Saturday which was Saturday the 10th I say that the grace and the goodness of God was all over that moment because when I think of the lifestyle that my brother lived in his youth and being someone who advocates for young people and who daily hears of mothers, fathers, sisters, grandparents who lose their loved ones to the streets, when I stood over my brother's bed as they were about to switch off the machines, I had a moment of, this could have been so different. Like, I may not have even got to see him at 38. We could have lost him at 17. We could have lost him at 21. We could have lost him at 25. But because of the goodness of God, because of the grace of God, and because of the sovereignty of God, because God knew 
what was up next for my brother. God said, now's your time. And he did it in such a gracious way. Even now, when I think of the fact that we're in lockdown, that people are losing their loved ones and only seven to ten people can go to a funeral. I say thank you for your goodness, Lord, because if my brother had passed in this season, there would be a riot. There would be a riot because there would be no seven to ten people going to no funeral. My brother had almost 1,500 people at his funeral. In the, the, the hospital themselves said that they had never allowed nor experienced anything like it. He had over 300 people come through in three days to just say their goodbyes. He went to a hospital in Harlow and they'd never seen so much black road men in their lives. <laughs> bawling, wailing, like proper bawling. Like they were like, who was this guy? Who was he? And I, I, I mentioned that my brother's passing in, in, in relation to God's goodness because it could have been so different. It could have been so different. But God chose, graciously chose to take him through meningitis. And for that, I'll be forever grateful. The way you see things is astounding. You think so? Yeah, because it's 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 one thing to say that as a Christian is how I should walk. Mm. It is a completely another thing mm. to walk that walk in that situation. Can I just say, Serena, that an, an, another thing, if I was to say a fourth, yeah, the order in which God did it was perfect. Because you see, if I lost my brother first, you see, if I lost my brother and then my best friend, and then my husband left, I would have lost my mind. I could not, I could not have lost my brother first. I would have probably have committed suicide if I lost my brother first. So God's grace said, this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. She's going to lose her husband, and that's going to nearly kill her. <laughs> then she's going to lose her best friend. And like I said, I didn't even grieve her, because I was like, this isn't happening. And it wasn't until I lost my brother that all three compounded. It was like the compounding grief that hit me like two months after my brother died was excruciating. I cannot explain the pain. God told me clear as day. He said, Karen, you are going to go through a very painful season. This was when my brother died. And he said, but Karen, I promise you it won't be long. And so said, so done. And if I'm honest, I can say that between November 2018 to my brother's birthday, which was August 2019, was the worst nine, ten months of my life. And then it was like the day after his birthday, there was just a release. That doesn't mean that I don't cry, that I don't have my moments. But that pain that I felt, I've never felt that again. And the Bible says that he'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. He'll give it to you. But do you want it? A lot of people don't want the oil of joy. They they want to be in mourning. And I get it because I've been in mourning. And this is how God talks to me. He's like, when he gave me that scripture, he was like, Karen, I have an oil of joy for you. Would you like it? <laughs> I was like, hmm. 
Would I like? Of course. He was like, well, here you go. I'll take the morning for you. You take the joy. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you one final question. What words of encouragement would you give a young man like your brother at 17? Hmm. When my brother was in jail, I remember being so heartbroken. I sat on my bed once and I said to God, what can I do? What can I do? Because I can't physically help him. What can I do? And God said to me, do what you do best. And one of the things I do best is write. And I started to write him a series of handwritten letters. But I, I gave them a title and it was called Prison is a State of Mind. And I wrote him 12 letters over 12 weeks. And the essence of every letter was to say that where you are is not equal to who you are. There is a huge difference between where you find yourself right now and who God says you are. And that's what I would tell any 17 year old. I'll be like, listen, I don't care if you're a crack addict, if you're doing selling drugs, if you're promiscuous, if you I don't care what it is that your circumstances say. That does not equate who you are. You are a king's kid, which makes you innately a king. And it is your kingship that I want to speak to. I want to speak to your greatness. I want to speak to your potential. I want to speak to your dreams. I want to speak to your imagination. I want to speak to who you could be if you could choose to be anyone. Because no one would choose to be a roadman drug addict if they could be a powerful billionaire. So Karen Allen... A woman has left me speechless so many times in this interview. Leaves us with one final question. Who would you be if you could be anyone? 